0: of humanity. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 deals with every single person on the planet. There's only two at that point, but it deals with all of them. And and as you and I look at those first 11 chapters, it's a wide patch of ground. But in chapter number 12, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and into the Gospels, everything narrows down into one family line. When we look at the beginning of things here in, in Genesis, we see the beginning of all the things that we had. We saw... the the first sacrifice being made. We saw the first murder. We saw languages change. We've seen the destruction uh, of man with that flood. And and now, as we look in Genesis chapter 12, uh, take a gander over there as we look at the words written by Moses to Abram. You know that is Abraham, right? He is yet to change his name. So as of now, he is Abram. And the Bible will read this way. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed." And so he departed as the Lord spoken to him. Lot went with him, and Abraham was seven or Abram was seventy five when all this happened. As you and I begin to look, first we see that Jesus or God would say to uh, to Abram, "Get out of your father's house, out of that land, and you and your family go." And as we look at the last verse, verse number four, we see Lot went with him. Troubled me and puzzled me over the years, I think. How is Abram doing what God said to do when he's carrying that guy with him? And it makes sense when you look at it this way. It's more than likely that Lot's parents were dead. And that Abram was the one in charge of his care. So Lot would be more of a son to Abram than, than just his nephew. So when he said, take your family, Lot there would have been included. I noticed that that's not a problem with God because God didn't say, All right, you didn't do what I said right here from the very beginning, so I'm going to strike you dead and start out with somebody else. And so he begins by saying, If you'll go and do these things, conditionally, I will give you some things. The first of those three promises is a great nation found in Genesis chapter 12, verse number two a big family. A big family. Now, when he leaves his father's land, he's 75. But when he has his first child with his wife, Abraham, at that point, is 100. Sarah is 90. Y'all are just looking at me like I said, just regular numbers. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Is anybody in here in their 90s, 80s? All right, we have a couple of have a lady in the back, in her eighties. Just shake her nod. Would you like to have a baby? No. And and Sarah is ninety. God is doing this to prove a point. God is doing this to say, Abraham, anybody can have children. Sarah, anybody can have children. They do it all the time. But I'm going to take you from the point in time in which you are not supposed to have children, where you have grown past those things physically, and through that barrenness of time, you're going to have a child. And you're going to know that it's not anything that you have done to produce a child. That this child is going to be from me. And he's going to have one kid and that's going to make a big family. I don't know if you've ever been around children. Sometimes one is just enough. Technically, if you and I simply look at the side that is Isaac, we're only seeing Half of, uh, of Abram's family uh, many times we push to the side just as Abraham tried to do Israel a lot of times we push him over to the side and we don't want to deal with him Genesis chapter 16 but he's there And you have to deal with him. He's going to have a big family. Not only will Abraham squire the family of the nation of Israel, but also of the Arab nation. Some 550 million people roughly today on this planet could theoretically trace their lineage back to Abraham. Let that sink in for just a moment 550 million is a lot of folks. That's roughly double the size of our nation. And within that Middle Eastern portion of land, they all would trace themselves back to Abraham. Oh, he has a big family. He has a, a very big family. And because of that, there's land needed. That land is given to him in Joshua chapter 11 and verse number 23. Has absolutely nothing to do with the year 1948. Anybody know what happened in 1948? That's when we established, we as a people established Israel back where they were supposedly. As if that were uh, us helping God out with his blessings. We don't, he doesn't need our help. He gave that to them in Joshua chapter 11, verse 23. As a matter of fact, what he said was, the land I said I was going to give you, I gave it to you. You look at a great nation and you see that that this 550 million is very, very different from Genesis chapter number 46, 26, and 27, where only 70 go into Egypt. 550 million is a big difference. And so, promise number one, Abraham is going to have a big family. And number two, uh-oh, I'm going, still going the wrong way. Number two, uh, he's going to make his name great. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number two. You know, the Ecclesiastes writer in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 writes that a, a good name is better than precious ointment. How many people around our world would refer back to Abram and Abraham as father. Father Abraham. So many people would, that Jewish nation that would, would look back to him, would, would see him as the father of, of them, even the nation of the Muslims would look back to Abraham and say, through Ishmael we came about. He's loved and revered. By so many worldwide, the question then has to be why? Well, according to James chapter 2 and verse number 23, Abraham was called the friend of God. By the way, Abraham lives a life and passes from this life into eternity like we all will if the Lord tarries. Do you know how many people were at Abraham's funeral? God. That's a stellar funeral. Look, look, look who is there. Why is God there? It's because Abraham is the friend of God. He is the one who has built that relationship with God. He finds himself with a good name. He is known. Even to us, as we look through uh, Hebrews chapter 11, even as the father of the faithful, we see him having a good name. We see him having a, a a large family, and notice this. And then there's this one where he's mentioned as being a blessing to all. And sometimes, sometimes we push that over to the side because we don't really understand what he's saying. Sometimes we look at it and we say. <sighs> I don't know exactly what God's talking about there, but I know what a big family means, and I know what what these other things mean, and I know that my eyes are bad. Y'all might not be able to see that, so I'm going to have to look at this one. All the blessings that God would give to Abraham are mentioned right here, and that all of the world's families will be blessed by him. How's that? Because he's going to produce offspring? Technically, He's only going to produce two. Is it, is it because he is establishing something known as monotheistic worship in a world that is, is full of pantheism and, and anything goes and we can worship anything and everything? No, even though he does do that. Is it going to be blessed by, by Abraham and his family because he is faithful to God? Yes, but not really. You see, none of those things really have us in mind of what the blessing is that God is going to give through his family. The blessing that God would give to the world through the family of Abraham is one known as the Christ one known as Jesus, and as he was growing up and living, one known as Jesus of Nazareth, who didn't look like much, didn't seem to be much as his contemporaries would look at him, and and would be almost blind in their looking toward him to not see him as the very Lamb of God. And you say, preacher, that might be a little bit of a stretch for you to say that the promise through Abraham results in Christ. That's that's way too far down the line, and I don't think you can draw it back. Okay, Galatians chapter 3. Grab your New Testament, turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 16 and we'll read for a moment, and we'll stop and make some observations and move on through. Verse 16, now to Abraham, now we got our bearings about us. We know that he's speaking of the same guy we were talking about, and his seed were promises made. You know, he did not say to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed which is Christ. Look at that. That's not a very big stretch, Paul would say as he's writing that the, the seed of Abraham will be Christ. Yeah, but preacher, you really haven't proved anything. Well, let's keep reading. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was four hundred thirty years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of, of none effect. Which promise? Promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. That Old Testament law is not going to change that promise one single letter. That promise is still given to, to Abraham and it's still going to be carried out by God. For if the inheritance of the law, which is no more but a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Would Abraham live long enough to see Christ? No. Would Abraham be a blessing to all of the world through Christ? Absolutely. Wherefore then serveth the law. Wherefore then serveth the law. It was added because of transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Which seed he talking about? Which seed needs to come? Was it Ishmael or was it Isaac? Well, let's read a little further. And was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? Well, absolutely not. Is the law of God going to contradict the promise of God? Absolutely not. He goes on to say this. God forbid if there be any uh, law given which could have given life... Verily, righteousness should have been by the law. If life was available through that law, that law would still be in effect. But the Scripture hath concluded, all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Stop right there. It's necessary you and I know a couple of things as we read through the book of Galatians. First, Paul's pretty, uh, he's pretty smart. And he writes this particular book, or God writes this book through Paul's pen in a debate format. And what he will do is continually debate the fact that the, the faith, New Testament faith, is more efficient and better than the old testament law so we use these words faith and law in a way to uh to notice each side uh, throughout this whole book we were kept under the law shut up under faith that is closed off to faith why because while the law was uh, instituted faith was not yet instituted one had to pass away before the other came That old law had to go away before that new law came about, which should afterward be revealed. What which should, that faith. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. That law would be the one that pointed us to faith. That law would be the one that pointed us to Christ. But after that, faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. Once we have that faith that's promised by God, that system of faith, we don't have any need for that old law. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female. I mean, there are no Jews in the New Testament church, or Greeks, or males, or females. Well, we got problems, because I see a whole bunch of males and females. And as he looks at this particular verse, Paul would conclude there that, that there's not a different faith, not a different New Testament system of faith, that would save the Jew versus would save the Greek, that would save the female versus would save the male, would save those under bondage or those having slaves. That that one faith is good for all of humanity. And he would go to say this in verse 29. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed. Now notice this phrase. And heirs according to, hear your last two words, the promise. Which promise is he talking about? Oh, that promise from way back when the, that promise was given to Abraham. That, that conditional promise through Christ Jesus goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. This has been in the plan of God from the very beginning. The church is not... A secondary plan where God hopes that we'll get it right before Jesus comes back. This is the promise that God has promised to mankind. He has a promise of remission of sin and that could not happen without the death of Christ. He has the promise of forgiveness and that could not happen without the death of Christ. It's a promise of salvation. Where is salvation found in the old law? The washing away of guilt not found in the old law. As a matter of fact, what's found in the old law according to Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 is that we're going to bring that sin back up. There's a promise of a home in heaven. And that same promise is a promise to avoid hell. And it's all found beginning in Genesis chapter 12. And Paul would so masterfully, by the inspiration of God, put that together for us in a nice, neat little package in Galatians chapter 3. How mighty is your God? What can your God do? Can he save mankind? Could your God save mankind even before mankind knew they needed to be saved? (laughs) There was no scramble in heaven to find something that would be adequate to remit the sin of Adam and Eve when they ate that fruit. God already knew. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3, and especially verses 1 through 10, we find out that this has been predetermined by God from eternity. That this would be the way, through the church, would be the way that He is going to save mankind. Can your God save men? Oh yeah. But He will not save them. Unless they submit to him, unless they understand that authority that is found within the promise, unless they understand the authority that's found within his word. You know, every time I look at the promise given to Abraham, I think of the the blessing of Christ automatically. That's the big one in my mind. I, I think I go to that one automatically. But you look down the history given to you in the Old Testament to how God would keep this family going in that direction until the Christ was born. Because He promised that bloodline. And how they would continue to occupy that space until the Christ was born. Why? Because He promised that land. And it's in the Christ's death. That he provides the blessing for all. He provides the opportunity for me to be saved from me. Has anybody here ever made any bad decisions or is it just me? All right. You know where he saved you from? He said he saved you from you. He saved me from making those bad decisions. He saved me. He said, if you'll just follow after me, I'll tell you what to do. How easy is that? There is, however, one flaw in that plan. The one flaw is you have to choose. You have to choose to do those things. You have to choose to be obedient unto Him. You have to choose to to submit yourself to Him and allow Him to be the authority. And when we get to choose, sometimes... We choose wrong. But. The gospel tonight is this. God has allowed time to continue to give us space and opportunity to repent. And to bow down before his great throne. Hearing what he has to say. Believing those things. Repenting of my sin. Confessing that Jesus is the Christ. The way. The Messiah. Being baptized in water for the remission of my sins, and and then living that faithful life. And when my eyes close in death, doing those things and they open up, the promise will be fulfilled, won't it? I'll see it right there. Will you be able to see it too? If not, Now is the time to come and be a part of that family, or now is the time to come back home right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement.